Father, what beautiful truth we just sung. Oh, Lord, may not that just be words from our mouths, but Lord, may it reflect the cry of our heart that holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There is none like you. There is none that can stand against you. There is none that stands beside you. You are, you are over all things, and through you, all things were created. Father, we thank you for your awesome power. We thank you for your majesty, your radiance, your glory, your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your power. And Lord, we will not cease 10,000 years and more to give you that praise and so much more for all those who've set their heart on you and confessed you as their Lord and Savior. God, may it be so today. May it be so today. Father, continue to remove distractions from this place now as we would do well to pay attention to your word. So Father, help us to listen faithfully. Help me to speak as your mouthpiece today, God. Faithfully, the full message with the authority of your word of what you once said to your church. And find hearts that are humble Lord, break us of our pride. Find hearts that are teachable to receive it now. That we would be changed to be more like you and not be the same people as we were when we came in. But Father, set our hearts on a passion for you. Encourage the weak and weary. Give strength, Lord. Fan into flame the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh Lord, let the glory of your name be the passion of this church. If you agree, church, in the name of Jesus Christ, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Wow. Well, praise the Lord. I just think we just need to give the Lord a huge hand for what he's doing in his church. Amen. Amen. His word is true. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, again, a warm welcome to you here this morning. This is our second message in our sermon series, Towards the Goal, God's Glory in the Church. And so last week we kicked off the sermon series preaching on Matthew 22, 34 to 39, which is the great commandment that Jesus gives us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's where everything starts. That's the foundation. All right, and every one of these pillars that you see here that we're going to be going through over the next four weeks, Lord willing, will be from an overflow of Christ's command to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and to love others as yourself. And the first pillar we'll look at today is no exception to this, and it is that one over there, unapologetic preaching. Say that with me, unapologetic preaching. Yeah, doesn't that just fire you up to say that? Is that, is that just me? Just me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bring it on. Unapologetic preaching. And you say, well, wait a second. What is that? Good question. We got to get fired up about it. We got to know what it is, right? So what is it? You'll see it on the screen. Really simplified, bare bones definition. Unapologetic preaching, preaching the full authority of God's word and not apologizing for what it says. Simple. Preaching the full authority of God's word and not apologizing for what it says. It doesn't mean we're, it means we're not going to water it down. We're not going to make excuses for it. 
Okay, uh, when, I, when I sit in sermon prep and study the text and seek the Lord, not one time, and I can honestly say this, I was thinking back and thinking back, thinking back, not one time since I started preaching the word of God by the grace of God for the glory of God, have I ever said, what do you want to hear? It means when I sit down in front of a biblical text each week, I'm not thinking, gee, uh, what... What does the church want to hear that's going to make them feel good when they leave? Now, God's word does that as it's preached faithfully in different seasons. But I'm focused on, and and every pastor in Harvest Bible Fellowship, I just love the fellowship that we are part of, says, it's not what, what do people want to hear, it's what does God want said. God, what do you want to say to your church today, whether it's an easy thing to accept or not? Whether you like me after the service or you don't, not my concern. I'm a mouthpiece for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, because why is this such a big deal? You say preaching. Like, why is it such a big deal? We have such a bad rap on preaching these days. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you say, why is that a big deal? It's because we have a problem. We have a problem, loved ones. The lack of true biblical preaching is perhaps the greatest source of the quenching of God's glory in the church today. The lack of true Faithful, biblical preaching is perhaps the greatest source of the quenching of God's glory in the church today. In fact, it's getting so bad that Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the greatest preachers of this century, he put it this way. He says, the church has been trying to preach morality and ethics without the gospel as its basis. It has been preaching morality without godliness And it simply does not work. It never has done and it never will. And the result is that the church, having abandoned her real task of preaching, has left humanity more or less to its own devices. That's a big problem. And here in this text, the Apostle Paul, writing from prison during his last days, is giving his son in the faith, upcoming church planter, Timothy, the charge, the final charge, the most important charge he could give him, and the last letter he's going to write to him, and charges him with the one thing that is to be the primary task of the church moving forward, both in Timothy's day and in our day now, it is to preach the word preach the word, the primary task of the church. And Paul gives us three sobering truths as to why preaching the full authority of God's word must be a pillar of the church if we are to see the gospel go forward and God's glory established in it no matter what comes against it. We are camping out today in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. If you do not have a Bible with you, please put your hand up. Our ushers are coming forward right now. We want to put one in your hand. Love seeing those hands go up. Yeah, we need to hear from the Lord today. Let's get one in front of us. And if you do not have one at home, then please keep that as a gift from us to you so you can continue to open God's word on your own. Second Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Let's read. Hey, hey, we're going to do something a little different today. Can we stand to read God's word? This is our authority. Let's pay attention to it. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, 
Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, we preach the full authority of God's word because, number one, we are commanded by God to do it. We are commanded by God. Look at verse 1. Paul says this, I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Let me tell you something. That is a fully loaded charge. Paul is setting the stage here for the charge he's about to give. He hasn't even given the charge yet. He's just setting the stage for what's behind it, the weight behind it. The word charge there in the Greek means to earnestly and solemnly command. This is a command Paul is giving by the Holy Spirit. It's a forceful order or directive. That means, today's terms, it's weighty. Forceful order or directive. Paul gives Timothy this charge with all of the weight that he can put behind it because what Paul is going to be charging Timothy with will be done in the presence of Christ and with Christ's eyes watching over it. Whatever Paul's about to say to Timothy, he's putting the weight behind it because God is watching over what Timothy will do with it. In this case, the handling of God's word. He's watching over it. The Greek means he's scrutinizing it. It's in his presence. Jesus Christ is right here, right now. Does that give you shivers? He's here right now watching over how this word is handled. He's watching over it with Bert Veldman, who I was praying with this week, preaching to your children and harvest kids right now. Why? Because we got to get it right. He's watching. And not only that, as he's watching isn't enough, Christ will give, notice this in verse 1, I charge you the presence of God, in the presence of God, as we just talked about, who is to judge the living and the dead. You see that? Christ is going to give his coming judgment concerning it and will hold the person accountable for how he handled it. Hey, parents, when you lead your kids around the table in devotions, or not, you're going to give an account for that, how you handled God's word. And this isn't a judgment of salvation. This isn't what Paul's speaking of here. This is the judgment of evaluation. Of God's like, what did you do with my word? How did you handle it? How did you exhort your church in it and preach it to them? How did you preach it to your wife or husband? How did you preach it to your kids? How did you preach it on the street with your classmates and neighbors? What did you do with it? There's an evaluative judgment that is coming that Christ will judge what we did. And notice this, last part. Who is to judge living and dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. See, this charge is to be done. How we are to preach the word of God is not some passive, apathetic, yeah, when I get around to it, indifferent. This is to be done with urgency. He's coming. 
He's coming. Christ Jesus will appear. And I don't know if you notice this, but we are now the closest we've ever been in human history to seeing that happen. Christ coming back. He is coming. There's urgency behind that. And notice what's the charge right here. Verse 2. Preach the word. This is the charge that everything Paul just said is in light of. Now, isn't it funny? Paul narrows it down to that task. Not, hey, let's get a core group of 150 members. Hey, let's have all the systems and structures and the fancy lights in the church and get a huge building and facility. He says, preach the word. Do we ever flip that? Yeah, all the time. He says, preach the word. The word to preach, preaching gets a bad rap. We're going to address that in a sec. But the word to preach in the Greek there means to proclaim or herald. The Greek word is kiros, and it is to proclaim or herald the word of God, the full word. He's like, don't hide it, proclaim it. Proclaim it. Now, the picture of a herald, you're like, what does it mean to herald? There, there's a picture. That's a herald. In medieval times, that's a herald. Now, I'm really thankful I don't dress like that. Praise the Lord. But that's the, that's the coat of arms from the king he represents. Okay, the king's colors. And so a herald is a messenger of the king whose purpose it was to proclaim the full message of the king publicly. Get this, publicly with conviction and urgency. You see what Paul's drawing on here? Urgency. And he never apologized for what it said. He never apologized He was literally, did you feel the weight of this? He was literally speaking on behalf of the king and proclaimed the authority that must be listened to and obeyed. He was the mouthpiece of the king. And here's the thing about the herald. He wasn't going to survive long as a herald if he pick and choose what parts of the message he wanted to proclaim. And he wasn't going to be a herald long if he didn't get it right. The king gave him a message, a letter to read for the people. The king wanted it done right. This isn't a game. What we're doing right now is not a game. It's a transaction between the God of the universe speaking through a servant to his people. The question is, are we listening? See, one thing to clarify. The authority of this, as you see this picture, the authority of this was, the, was in the king and in the word being spoken. The authority was not in the messenger because the authority was just, the, the messenger was just the king's mouthpiece. So see the freedom in that for us as messengers of the gospel? This guy didn't care if anyone liked him for it. He wasn't out for public approval, out for hits on Facebook or SoundCloud. It just wasn't there. He didn't care if people liked him or not. He had a message that he was given and a calling and a charge. So let me ask you a question. Is this the weight with which you uphold the authority of God's word in your life? That's one of the greatest charges in all the Bible. Is this the weight, the importance that we uphold the authority of God's word in our life? Or we just flippantly, oh, when I get around to it, or I'll obey this part, not this part. See, knowing, what does it do, knowing, loved ones, that God is present and he's watching over how we preach his truth to those around us? 
His eyes are on it. And we will give an account. In our church, in our homes, around the dinner tables, in our workplaces, in our classrooms. What does that do? Do we feel the weight? See, and here's the thing. Because of the importance, the primary task of the church is to preach the word of God. So therefore, guess what the primary thing is the enemy is going to attack? The preaching of the word of God. And your ability to listen to it. My ability to preach it. My ability to listen to it. To understand it. To follow it in obedience. See, the enemy works hard to get us to reject and discredit or compromise on the faithful proclamation of God's word. With things like, when you think preaching, don't you usually hear this? Oh, stop preaching to me. That guy's getting too preachy again. There he goes preaching again. He's preaching to me. See, see what the enemy does? That's a lie. Stop preaching at me. Instead of saying, preaching's going on, where I need to get there and get under it. Preaching's going on, I need to get there. Because I'm going to hear a word from the Lord. A word I need to follow. Because he knows what's good for me and he loves me and his ways are perfect. In Psalm 1830, every one of his words will prove true and is a shield for those who take refuge in it. I need to get under it. But the enemy works hard to discredit it and replace it in our churches for deceptive avenues that are devoid of the power of God. Hey, let's have church in the morning and tell stories. Let's give motivational pep talks. Let's have replace the preaching and the pulpit. It just grieves me so much. I saw again the pulpit in this church. I just heard about it this week. They pushed the pulpit out and they made everyone a service so we can all sit in a circle and have a conversation on Sunday mornings. This is a more relevant way to do it. Really? 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 Have you read the Bible? Guess what? Trying to make the Bible relevant is like trying to make water wet. Because the enemy knows this. Get the pulpit out of the church because Christ's pulpit drives the church. Christ's pulpit drives the church. And when the voice of God dies, guess what? The church is soon to follow. There's the charge. There's the weight. And you say, well, wait, what what does this look like? What does unapologetic preaching, proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology look like? Well, four things Paul gives us right here. Love God's word. So clear. Let's bring it out. Four things it means. It means we preach, number one, with urgency, in season and out of season. Look at verse 2b. He says, preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. This, is, this means when people want to hear it and when they don't. Be ready in season. You'll see it on the screen. You'll see the what coming, or the when on the screen. When do we do it? In season and out of season. When people want to hear it, when they don't, when it will be accepted, and when it will not be. I don't know if you've noticed this. It's pretty out of season to be preaching the full authority of God's word in our world today, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, look at, you know, I was so humbled and sobered and grieved when I saw some, I was talking this in leader's prayer before service today when I saw some of the decisions being passed down by our governments. We pray for them and we honor them, those people, we love them, but some of the decisions that are coming down of just trying to push Christ right out of the family. It's out of season. And yet, 
we must be ready to proclaim it as God brings the opportunities for us and not be afraid of people. Some of you, I'm sure, when you saw that outreach uh, announcement today, you were like, oh, it's totally not for me. Listen, 2 Timothy 1.7 says it is for you because you in Christ, you have received a spirit of power and love and self-control and not a spirit of fear. We'll get to that in a little bit, okay? But not a spirit of fear, urgency. We live, did you ever notice this? We live in a society that has a fear of offending anybody but God. You notice that? Fear of offending anyone but God. What does God say? And, and I encourage you, as Martin Luther said, the word of God, what you're holding in your hand right now, the word of God is a lion. Let it out of the cage and it'll fend for itself. But let it out of the cage. Give it a chance. It will fend for itself. And this gives us the urgency and the passion and the readiness to preach it, knowing that God has promised to build his church when we uphold it. Faithful preaching entails four things. It means we preach with urgency in and out of season. Number two, it means we preach for correction and rebuke. Look at verse two again. Preach the word and rebuke. Okay, so what does the word reprove mean? It means correction. It means correction, using a biblical argument to correct a person's behavior or false teaching that they may be under. Using a biblical argument. Notice that? It's not your personal opinion. It's not worldly advice. It's using a biblical argument to correct a person's behavior or false teaching they may be under. And the word rebuke, we, we tend to have this negative perception of the rebuke. You have someone who's willing to speak the truth and love in your life, you hang on to them. Who's willing to give you a loving rebuke? They're honoring the Lord. This is the Spirit bringing conviction of one's sin through His Word, which leads to repentance. What this is, this is a warning. You're giving someone a warning to say, if you go down that road, it only gets worse. Come back. Come back. And know the love of your Savior. Don't remove yourself from under his authority. Because we either move towards him in truth or we move away from him. There's no middle ground. Come back. That's for, that's for someone I feel in this place today. I don't know where you're at, but come back. Most people have this negative perception of being corrected. It's their pride. I don't, who are you to correct me? Who are you to do this? I'm no one. I'm just a messenger. This is God. And I do, we do that in love and in grace, but in truth. A great act of love from the Lord was him giving us his word to correct us, loved ones, and have faithful servants to show us in love where correction and rebuke is needed to restore our relationship with Christ in those areas we are continuing to sin in. That's one of the greatest acts of love for you, from the Lord, love for me. Come back, receive the correction, receive the rebuke, and receive the freedom we have in Christ. Unapologetic preaching, it means we preach with urgency in season and out of season. We preach for correction and rebuke. And thirdly, we preach for encouragement. Encouragement. Stay in that verse, 2D. 
Be, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Exhort means to encourage. Faithful preaching encourages us in our faith, refreshes us, and builds us up to continue to follow the Lord as we are reminded of his eternal truths, his promises towards us, and his love for us. You know what faithful preaching does? It grows us in our zeal for the Lord if we're willing to come under it and be taught by it. It grows us in a zeal for the Lord in this house. Why do you think, when we talked about last week, 80-85% of churches in North America are in decline. 10,000 churches close a year in North America. Why is that? You remove the word of God out, you remove the voice of God out, you remove the church. You cease to be the church. Because faithful preaching encourages us and stirs us up. That's, that's why Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 say, I'm sure our core group is sick of me saying this, but I will say this, Lord willing, to the day I die. Don't stop meeting together. But all the more as we see the day approaching to stir one another up to love and good deeds. That's what faithful preaching does. It lights a fire in our hearts for his church and for one another. Don't forsake it, loved ones. Four things unapologetic preaching means. It means we preach with urgency, in season and out of season, for correction and rebuke, for encouragement. And lastly, here it is, with complete patience and teaching. Look at the last part of verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Here it is, with complete patience and teaching. Hey, hey, hey. Unapologetic preaching is not beating people over the head with God's word. It's not bruising the fruit. It's not smoldering out the wick. It's not breaking the bruised reed. But it's done in patience from a love for the Lord and that person. Growing in maturity. You ever notice this? If you have children, you'll notice this. Growing in maturity doesn't happen overnight. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right? Complete patience and teaching. God has never given up on us. Hey, 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 loved ones, know this. God has never given up on us, and we don't give up on preaching God's word to each other. We preach the full authority of God's word because we're commanded by God to do it. And the reason we're commanded, here it is, here it is. Here's why God puts such a charge on this. Because we're led astray when we reject it. You can't go anywhere else. You are led astray when you reject God's word. Look at verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So you notice here there's three phases of being led astray. Did you notice this? You see this in the text? Phase number one, start of verse three, is rejection. Rejection, look at verse three. For the time is coming when people will not endure. That is to reject sound teaching. Sound, you'll see a little superscript number there in most translations, and that means healthy. You will not endure or tolerate healthy teaching. And as time goes on, and we get closer to Christ appearing, more and more people will reject sound and healthy teaching from God's word. And here's the thing. This includes people who have outwardly professed Jesus Christ as their savior. This 
yeah, I'm going to follow Christ. And then when it comes to coming under the authority of God's word, to receiving correction, encouragement from it, don't ask me to do that. I want to stay the way I am. You have to understand, I'm not asking you, the person preaching you is not asking you, God's asking you. You will not give an account to me. You will give an account to him. And here's the thing. These people who won't tolerate it, these people who will reject it, they will either reject it completely. I don't want any of that. I'm not doing that. Or they'll reject parts of it. Well, I like this part of God's word, the part about I know the plans I have for you, and I like that, and that, that you'll meet all my needs, Lord. I like that one from Philippians 4.19. Uh, but no, don't ask me to stop giving up my addiction, my idols. I don't accept that part, but I accept this one. Rejection. And that leads to the next step in being led astray. It starts with rejection. I don't like that. Who are you to tell me that? That's the first step. Instead of saying, I need to come under that, where it's safe, under the authority of God, and I know this person loves me and is willing to walk with me through it. It leads to the next step. If we don't do it, number two, phase two, accumulation. Accumulation. Look at the next one, verse three. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That term itching ears there implies this. These people only want to hear something pleasant that will condone the lifestyle they've chosen to live or the lifestyle they want to. Instead of humbling themselves under the truth of God's perfect word. I'm going to accumulate teachers for myself who tell me what I want to hear to justify the direction I'm going away from the Lord. Happens all the time. Maybe it's happening right now. In this church. And these are people who want to be entertained. I'm coming to church for entertainment. Don't ask me to sacrifice my time, talents, church. I'm coming to be entertained. I'm coming to be getting what I want, when I want, how I want, what I think it should look like. They want to hear about the blessings of God. They want to hear they're a good person and can be blessed without him. They are not interested in confronting sin, walking in repentance, or seeing their need for forgiveness before a holy God. See, And here's the reality. You just take a look across the landscape of the church today, and it is this. Churches like this will often fill the pews, but empty the heart. Ears full, hearts empty. This, loved ones, should grieve us. God's bride taking God's word and God's glory out. Do we feel the weight of the charge? Maybe just I do. And you see the word accumulate there in verse 3. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That word accumulate, they can't help but accumulate teachers because because the lust of their flesh, which is being driven by pride, 
And their beliefs, they aren't grounded in absolute truth anymore. Their preferences are starting to determine what they want to hear rather than the truth of what God knows is good for them and what they need to hear. Their preferences are dictating it. And they have to keep accumulating more teachers. I like this guy. I like this guy. I like this guy. I like this guy. They have to keep accumulating more and more teachers because they aren't pursuing the only truth that can fully satisfy them. There's only one truth that can fully satisfy the heart. And so no wonder they have to keep accumulating these things. These philosophies, these ideologies, these twists on scripture, the have your best life now stuff. A piece here, a piece there, as long as I can justify my lifestyle. Phase one is rejection. Phase two is accumulation. You see it, and I, say, and I was grieved this year. You asked my wife, ask our leadership team. We had them over on Friday for leadership advance night, and I was just weeping. As a guy's in accountability, I'm weeping in Carleton University as I'm writing this message on Thursday, and I'm in the pew, and it's just going down because I'm just like, God, what's happened to your church? And you see it time and time again. I just reject a part of it. I reject all of it. I start to accumulate. And that inevitably leads to deception. Look at verse 4. Full on deception. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Into myths. The Greek word for myth there means falsehood or fiction. Philosophies. Lies of how they are to live their life. See, going down this path, loved ones, hear this today. Going down this path unchecked leads to their deception by turning fully away from the truth of God and being deceived by false teaching and worldly counsel. Why? Because there's no other place you can go when you reject the Lord. There's no other place you can go. It's not like, okay, so here's absolute truth. And oh yeah, I'll move towards this perfect absolute truth. There's no other absolute truth. You reject it here, there's no other place to go. Further and further away. And it takes time. Just like it takes time to grow in maturity in Christ, oftentimes you don't recognize the compromises. This is why you need people in your life. You need the church in your life to say, hey, I love you. Turn back, let's go. Let me walk with you. You're either always moving towards the truth or away from it. There's no middle ground. And, and don't we see this? Don't we see this all over in society today? Don't we just see it? This, itching the ear. Hey, hey, uh, you deserve to have it all. Get what you want now. Itch. I like the sound of that. My flesh likes the sound of that, don't you? Isn't it your flesh? Have it all. Get what you want. Uh, you're in control. You're in control. You're the master of your own fate. See this? Itch. Itch. You're the master of your own faith. You deserve to have it. Slay your giants. You've got the power. It's itch. Itch. Have your best life now. Make every day a Friday. Itch, itch, itch. Instead of wanting to know the truth of you're a sinner who has offended a holy God. 
as in, and is in need of a savior and your eternal destination is not determined by all the things this world says you need to do to have your best life now because the truth is this as John MacArthur just poignantly stated the only way you are living your best life now is if you're going to hell The best life of the follower of Christ is yet to come in eternity with him. This is why God sent the perfect word himself, Jesus Christ, his only son, to come to die on the cross to pay the full penalty for our sins. That as we surrender our life to him and confess him alone as our Lord and Savior, we may receive forgiveness and have eternal life with him. This is the glorious truth of the gospel. Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. It is him we proclaim, Colossians 1.28, no one else. That's the word of God. This is the greatest truth of all time. And although the ears of our flesh may not itch for it, I will tell you this, fully guaranteed, the depths of your heart long for it. Though your ears may not itch for it, the depths of your heart long for it. St. Augustine said this. He said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. So how about you? How about me? Are you picking and choosing which parts of God's word you want to follow? Are you rejecting it flat out? Have you come under in repentance the authority of God's word, confessing Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And if so, are you living under that authority? Or are we rejecting the call to follow Christ? Because without standing firm in the full authority of God's word, we will be led astray. Because you have to understand, loved ones, the default of our flesh is to want the itch. That's where it goes. That's our default, to want the itch. Tell me what I want to hear, what will condone how I'm living. That's pride. That's our default. And we have to realize, we have to realize this, loved ones, complete compromise rarely will happen all at once. Rarely. Will complete compromise happen all at once? Rather, it is the little by little decisions that will lead us there, itch by itch, choosing selfishness over generosity, choosing lust over purity, choosing the parts of God's word you want to follow and what you don't, choosing pride ultimately over humility, choosing what it comes to, deception over truth. Itch by itch. Because I, I really think that none of us would choose that. I, could, I don't want to try to speak for you, but I really doubt anyone would choose that if the enemy hang, the devil hung a sign out there and said, hey, if you choose this, it's going to destroy your life. Want to come? Not really. It's the itch by itch. And when left unchecked, here's the truth, you'll see it on here. When left unchecked, half-hearted disobedience will always lead to wholehearted disobedience. Half-hearted obedience always leads 
if left unchecked, to wholehearted disobedience. And as your pastor, hey, loved ones, hear this, hear this. This is a hard message to bring to you today. But as your pastor who desires to be a faithful minister, I agree out of great love for you and for Christ and his church. I agree with the evangelist Leonard Ravenhill where he said, we live in a day of itching ears, but I have no commission from God to scratch them. I just love you too much, church. And I'm going to give an account for you one day. John, I'm going to give an account for you from this teaching. Emily, Michelle, Majo, I love you too much to scratch your ears. We preach the full authority of God's word because we are commanded by God to do it. And we are led astray when we reject it. And lastly, we preach the authority of God's word because we are fulfilling our ministry by doing it. We are fulfilling our ministry by doing it. Look at verse five. As for you, Paul says to Timothy, as for you, always be sober-minded Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and here it is, underlining all of this, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Paul says to Timothy that even though many will walk away from the truth of God's word, Timothy was to have a sober or clear mind to preach God's word and to discern truth from error. Why? Because pastors are just as susceptible to this as anyone else. It's not like us and everyone else. We're just as susceptible to this. He says you need to have a clear mind, a sober mind. Be ready, a spiritual and mental alertness to recognize false teaching when it's there because it's all around us. He says to test these things. Paul also knew from personal experience that as Timothy devoted himself to upholding the word of God and to preach it unapologetically, you know what he says there? As for you, always be sober-minded. There's your clear thing. You be alert. Endure suffering. Endure suffering. Paul knew that as we take the mantle to uphold God's word in our lives, loved ones, we will suffer for it. We will suffer for it, perhaps physically. We will suffer for it in rejection from relationships. Hit me this morning as I'm reviewing this message on my front steps. I'm like, I wonder how many friends I would have if I wasn't a pastor. This is true. People will reject you. And you know what? Some of the people who are closest to you will do that. And it hurts when you've poured into them. But that's the charge. That's what we're called to. That's what Christ said would happen. Yet in spite of that, Paul exhorts Timothy. See what he says at the end there? Do, verse 5, do the work of an evangelist to preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ in every opportunity the Lord gave him to do so. This, here's what the preaching of God's word does. It doesn't just edify the church. It doesn't just edify, it evangelizes. Okay, it edifies and evangelizes the lost. This is the call of every believer and not just the pastor. You say, well, the pastor's got, this is, this is the call to every believer to make disciples. Being a disciple of Christ is making disciples. 
And it is the ministry we've been entrusted with and charged with fulfilling. You'll see it on here, Romans 10, 14 to 17. I love this picture. There it is, Ottawa Canada Day Outreach. Announced it at the start of the service. There it is, right there. You want to fulfill the work of our ministry? Look what Romans 10 says. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? There's this saying out there, and I won't even attribute it to the guy who it's attributed to because it's not correct. He didn't actually say it. He says, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. What's that? Yes, we're called to live a godly life, but that's to back up a preaching of the gospel. How do you live out sanctification and atonement and talk about the... You're called to preach that. And your life backs that up. So preach the gospel, and since it's always necessary, use words. Use words. Because here's the reality, loved ones. The, the fearful world we live in 50,000 people, I pray 100,000 people at that Canada outreach, living in fear. The fearful world we live in needs a fearless church to pursue them. And literally, I heard this this week and it rocked me to the core. I pray you'll be blessed by it. Christians should be the most fearless people on the planet because the only one who can destroy us, in fact, is our greatest refuge. That's awesome. That is awesome. We should be the most fearless people on the planet. Doing the work of an evangelist by unapologetically preaching the full authority of God's word. Last question for the day, loved ones, is this. Are you fulfilling your ministry you've been entrusted with? And you say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pulpit. Listen, listen, your pulpit might not be at the front of a church, but I guarantee you it's in your workplace. I guarantee you it's with your family, in your neighborhood, in your classroom, in that Harvest Kids class going on right now. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to get you to not want to go and harvest kids? That's why. It is around your dinner table with your family. That's your pulpit. And maybe you're here today and you have never confess Christ as your personal savior and receive the forgiveness of your sin. And I pray, loved ones, I pray out of love for you so much that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would see today through the lies and deception of the quote-unquote truth this world tells us to follow and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Ears may not be itching for it, but your heart is sure longing for it. It is Jesus Christ who modeled faithful preaching of his word, gave us the recognition we're led astray when we reject it, and fulfilled perfectly the ministry he was entrusted with by his heavenly father. And now, here's the awesome part, loved ones, we close with this. Worship team, you can come up. Through him, he promises to give us the power to do the same knowing that his word proclaimed in the power of his spirit will never come back void and will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. This is his word. We are his church proclaiming it for his glory. Amen?
Let's pray. Father, as we heard from your word today, that's not a comfortable message. Father, our ears don't itch after it. And so I entrust it into your hands. Do what you want to. I pray that every ear, every heart that it has fallen on would not reject it, but willingly, eagerly, urgently coming under it. Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Where am I forsaking your authority in my life? Where am I rejecting it? Where am I accumulating for myself ideologies and teachers of this world that lead me away from you? Where am I being deceived? And Lord, as your spirit brings that recognition, I pray we would be quick to repent and quick to run into the loving arms of our Savior who loved us and gave his son to die for us so that in you we could have abundant life freedom in Jesus Christ walking in humility repentance dependency need these are good things and they are the pathway to freedom in you and so I pray in Jesus name that God as we respond now with this beautiful confession that we would sing it from our hearts to say do I truly believe this am I fully convinced of this Can I sing this with conviction in season and out of season? God, that this would be what we believe. Your word is what is proclaimed. Your word is what stood on. Seal this word in our hearts now and go to work, Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.